Having children be a part of worship is a blessed thing. We're grateful for the time to spend with them. One of the things we tossed around in worship planning was for some students to be able to read the scripture occasionally. Our third graders particularly have been studying the scriptures this particular children's spiritual formation classroom year. And when we approached them about reading this particular passage, seeing as how I was preaching, this might be a good duo. But the word circumcision happens about four times, and that became a little more uncomfortable for everyone. So we'll listen to it today, and we'll hear from my voice. But I hope that you hear God's voice speaking through me, and we'll take that all in. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, our God, we are grateful for your presence in our life. In whatever way, if that's very palpable and tangible and present, or feeling a little bit more distant these days, nevertheless, draw us closer to you. And as these words we meditate upon, may them be yours and strengthen us. In your name we pray, amen. Our scripture for this morning comes from Colossians, a continuation in our series. And the Apostle Paul writes as this, fullness of life in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. A warning. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy or empty deceit, according to the human tradition and according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh and the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through the faith and the power of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespass and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him. When he forgives us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rules and the authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be when I was in children's spiritual formation when I was younger, there was a sticker chart in the main room, and next to each line of our name were written the different hymns and scripture passages for that month. And if we were able to come to our space and we were able to say how we have memorized or even sung the hymn, we would get a star sticker. I went often, and my name had a lot of stickers next to it. I do say that to brag a little bit. When I was a little bit older, we were able to go on retreats 
And if you had gone on enough of them, you got little trinkets. One of them was a beautiful leather bookmark that I could lay in my Bible to demark what page I was on or a favorite scripture passage that I was in. Another one had a beautiful stone that had a word on it that was made just for me. I got a cross necklace at one point for my confirmation. I have all of these things still in a jewelry box in my house. They are mementos of milestones of times in my life when I found Jesus to be important enough to draw close to him, and the church recognized that with a memento. I carried on the tradition when my daughter was baptized here, I invited people to come forward and remember their own baptism with, and perhaps you've seen it, a small stone that looks like glass. And so if you put your hand in the water and received one of the glass stones, it was like you were taking a droplet of water with you. And I will give that to my daughter when she gets old enough to maybe understand what that means. These are hallmarks of what we could have and maybe badges of honor that we could hold with us. And in reading the scripture, Paul has let us know that though we might have these somewhat badges of honor or things that remind us that we have drawn close to God at different times in our life, the only thing that really matters is our baptism and the vows that we have made at that point. It's baptism that sets us apart. So this is my 10-year anniversary of being ordained, but one of my first baptisms over 10 years ago became a little bit of a funny story. There was a family who spent about half the time with us and half the time on the road traveling and touring. They were a combination couple of therapists that did book tours and speaking engagements. So they were part of our congregation, but not always there. They had a child and wanted that child to be baptized as a part of our congregation, of course. And they were just coming off their tour, and so we did some of our baptism counseling by FaceTime, which is like Skype, where you're looking at your phone, and I can see them through my phone, and they can see me through the phone, and it was a way of being a very modern pastor. So we spoke about what baptism meant, they grasped the concept, we spoke about how it might happen, we crafted this special order of worship within the worship service, they had a reception all planned that afternoon, and it was beautiful and lovely, and everything was set up. But as they were coming home from the tour, the Saturday night before the Sunday in which they were to be in church present with their daughter and their family and the reception afterwards, they called and said that their flight was delayed. They would not be able to make worship in the morning. They would be there in time for the reception, but they happened to be having a layover in San Francisco during the worship time. Could they, and they thought about this quite a bit, I think, 
Could they FaceTime in the baptism? No. Being present for what Christ has for us is important. In our passage for today, Paul is writing this letter to these people to and have left a certain way of thinking. There's been some other religious voices that have been in their ear and have led them to believe contrary to what the gospel message is. It says, take care that no one takes your mind captive or that you're lured into other things. You, your family, you've been baptized. That's all you need. And it wasn't some weird outside pagan world. It was the small contingent of Jews that were there the community that was urging them that in order to be Christian, you also needed to be circumcised. You must keep the law of Moses and then also keep the laws of Jesus. And this is redundant for us because in the order of the letters from Paul, we have already read in Galatians and argued that this is a complete misunderstanding and they would just be going back to an old archaic system and it wouldn't get them any further with Christ. And the people of Colossae were not far behind the people of Galatia. Now that the Messiah has come, it has been marked through his death and his resurrection that it is no longer necessary. You can just become a Christian in this way. God did all that God needed to do in order to make a way for you. Now, few of us are likely to encounter a world like that, where we feel pressured to convert to Judaism first before we're Christians. After all, we're all sitting here and we've long passed the world of Colossae and Galatia. However, There are plenty of philosophical attractions in our world that draw Christians away from fulfillment they already have and possess. Baptism is the dying and rising from the old world to the new world, to a new life in Christ. Paul might be called something we have termed in the theological world these days as the first deconstructionist of faith. It's a little bit like when you grow up and you think Santa Claus should not be part of your faith any longer. Well, if Santa Claus isn't part of your faith, then the Easter Bunny certainly isn't part of your faith, and what lies have these adults been telling you all along? And then you begin to question And you begin to wonder, what is real? What is true? What can I land in? What can I put my faith in? And you begin to reconstruct after this deconstruction. They need to go hand in hand. They are very important. Paul knew that religious indoctrination could be hugely damaging and making a break from this authoritarian kind of religion can be traumatic. 
And it involves a complete upheaval of a person's construction of who God is and what their relationship to God is. Then also what their community looks like. There's been some deconstruction from some high-profile Christians, some famous Christians these days. They've made a lot of money on book tours. The important thing is to pay attention to not only their deconstruction, but also their reconstruction. For example, they might lean away from saying a prayer that if they say the Jesus prayer, they'll get into heaven. It will ensure them getting to heaven because they have said that one prayer at that one time in their life and they believed it. And moving towards more of an identity with a relationship with a present God here and now. Or moving away from those mega churches where they focus on putting bottoms in seats and how important that is versus towards serving the people who are right in front of them. You know, there is the danger in the deconstruction that someone might lose their faith completely. With no one to process doubts, no one to provide any resources, reconstruction is awfully hard. And it can leave one emotionally drained. There's no longer the comfort of a God and a relationship that they once knew. It's like beginning to date again after a divorce. It takes work. It takes vulnerability. It takes the honesty of wanting to get to know someone new in a new way. And you might not have a community to do this with. But I've realized after being here at SMCC for several years that this is a wonderful place And as we celebrate our 79th anniversary, after all today is Anniversary Sunday, where 79 years ago things were very different, but the people that sat in the pews where you sit today had a dream, and they left money, and they left a building, and they left a hope and a desire that you would be sitting here. Yes, you able to receive the faith in a challenging and comforting way. And though they knew not what we were going to be talking about, after all, gasoline was 19 cents a gallon and I just drove past an Arco on my way here and it was $4. It's different now. But God knew that when God was present with Paul and strengthening up the people that he was talking to in his church. The deconstruction and reconstruction were amazing, that there would be places for that. And God knows that the people of 79 years ago knew that we would be in a place where our hearts were open and understanding how Jesus was calling this congregation not to look back at the 79 years where we have been but to understand what we have been rooted in and be articulate about that and to move us ahead through the next 79 years. I am in wonder of that, and I can't wait to see how it continues. What would you like to leave 
for those who sit in the pew after you. What is truly important in the faith? And as someone who gets to work very closely with the young, the children, and the students here at SMCC, I am grateful that you all have taken heart to be a part of that committed relationship so that these students can sit in your very seats to come. Amen and amen.